1: Well, hello and welcome to our podcast today. I'm Valerie Sokolowski. You know, they say that two heads are better than one, and that is really the truth for Craig and Clark Hodges, two brothers who are now running a very large investment management firm, the family firm that now has billions of dollars in client assets. These two gentlemen you can see on national and local news, places like CNBC, Fox Business News, Bloomberg. Let's take a quick look at a video. So, uh, how long does that sort of vapor trail last of, of the positive feelings from the tax cut?
0: I think it's still being very much underestimated. The market's almost treating like it's a one-time thing, and really, this is for—I mean, this is this will go on forever, mm-hmm. and you have companies like housing and airlines Unt- until and some transport- other
1: president comes in. <laughs> right, there. right, never right. Know.
0: but. You know, the difference between paying 38% or 35% and 21% is unbelievable. And that, I think 10 years we'll look back and think it's, this is one of the big, biggest things that's ever happened to us. It's transformational to our economy. It
1: has already been, with all the companies now saying they will give back to their yes. employees. And they, there's proof in the pudding with these 1000 $2,000 checks. Uh, that people then
0: ostensibly will put back into the economy? I think it's just starting. I, most companies don't know how, how big it's going to be. And it, when it starts coming in, that's why I think they will. You'll see even more of
1: this stuff. Craig Hodges of Hodges Capital, the name in, in small and mid-cap. It's great to Thank see you. Thank, Thank you, Liz. You so much. So as CEO, Craig Cl- Hodges continues to run the family business with the same strategy as his father, Don Hodges, did. When they founded the firm in 1989, and here's what it is. They buy stocks in well-managed companies that have been abandoned, maybe, by investors and analysts. Craig likes to say, we go where others fear to tread. And as the business development director, Clark Hodges applies the same daily principles that his dad taught him from an early age. Things like... People are the number one asset, whether it's your employees or your clients. And it's with this belief that Clark has helped build the firm's long-term business relationships. So today, I welcome Craig and Clark to our show to talk about their journeys to success and the good times and the challenging times of running a family-owned business with a rich heritage from their father, Don Hodges, and in such a large firm. So welcome to both of you.
0: Thank you, Valerie. Thank you, Valerie. It's a real pleasure to be on. It's
1: it's so good to have you and, and be able to talk about something that I think all of us can relate to, whether we have inherited a business or we're just starting a business. Business is business. And I would just like to first start with... Craig, what was it like growing up in the Hodges household? What did you learn from your dad? Well,
0: first of all, it was a lot of fun because he was a jokester and he always had us laughing. And my mom was kind of the disciplinarian and he was the, you know, he was kind of the, uh, I guess, good cop, if you will. But growing up in the investment business, uh, we heard about investments, and it, at a very young, young age, he would buy us two and three shares of stocks that we could relate to. I remember really? him buying us shares of a couple shares of McDonald's or Dr Pepper when it was in, in the early 70s, when it became more prevalent. And that really, at an early age, kind of st- started us thinking about, you know, these are businesses, and we can actually mm-hmm. own part of these businesses. And so I think growing up in, in that type of an environment, it, it, it pretty much led us to kind of where we are now and it's kind of been our lifelong passion if you will
1: isn't that interesting so did we did you get those stocks when they first started
0: yeah um, in fact I think in, in late mid 60s he bought us a just like two shares of McDonald's and I remember that in 1971 we took a Holy Land trip with dr. Criswell the first Baptist Church here in Dallas and the proceeds from those shares we mm-hmm. paid we he paid for our vacation online that. so that's it, and it was just you know tiny amounts of money so yeah
1: oh those my were the goodness. early
0: early days of, of mcdonald's
1: if we could have all had that luck, <laughs> right we could all go back right <laughs> you know i got a call from someone or a relative early on uh and the call said valerie there's this little coffee business that's kiosks in seattle washington and the mm-hmm. man lived in seattle he said it's really an interesting concept and i thought Coffee in kiosks on the street. I don't think so. Oh my gosh! Mm. Ah, darn. Like a mulligan. Uh, really? Yeah. No, over. I would. I would. Um, I would ask you, Clark, as the younger brother, what's it like running the firm with your older brother?
2: It's really good now. There's been some. <laughs> there were some years in there when we butted heads, but that's what brothers do, right? And we were very competitive growing up, but along the way. Craig really showed leadership in running the firm, and I really never had an interest in trying to manage every aspect of the business. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get out and tell the story. Mm-hmm. And so, years ago, it became evident that he had a talent and I had a talent, and we could both use those and try to grow the firm, and that's what, how it happened.
1: So, tell us more about the differences in you two when you were growing up, and now that you're running the firm. Your very different personalities.
2: Well, from my standpoint, I got the good job.
1: What's that? <laughs> I get tell to go out and tell
2: the story. I travel. I meet adv- financial advisors. I talk about how we manage money and our mutual funds. Mm-hmm. And I get to meet people and, and establishing relationships with people all over the country. Mm-hmm. It's a really a great fun job. And to be able to sit there and talk about it with the thought that this is our family business. Mm -hmm. And when I'm talking about Hodges Capital, they know I'm a Hodges. And it really is a great job to have, it's fun. And I like to be out and about where I think Craig, he is more tied to the desk to look at companies and balance sheets and talk to management teams. And he goes out and interacts with management teams Mm -hmm. and decides whether they're good management teams or not. And it's just really a different kind of job, but I really do think I got the good job.
0: Well, dad, 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 I think, realized our, our talents early on and kind of set that's us up good. in those areas. Yeah. And I think he was also insightful enough to know that we probably shouldn't be doing the same thing because mm-hmm. you can step on each other's toes and that sort of thing. So, so it's worked out great. And, I, and back at him, I couldn't do his job. I would not be that effective at it. And Clark's great at, at meeting people. He's great at remembering names. And he's very personable. Okay. And that, that, that's, really, that's, that's been a real benefit for our firm.
1: Great at remembering names. Are you great at remembering he really names? Is.
0: I guess. <laughs> Are you? Oh, I tell you, his most his 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 craziest talent. He recognizes recognizes celebrities that no one else can recognize. I, everywhere really? he goes, he recognizes celebrities. Am I lying? I mean, yeah, yeah. it is uncanny how and these aren't like a, these aren't type yeah B these are these are kind of B listers that you've seen before you can't place but Clark can place them and it's really remarkable and he'll go up to them and on. Carry, carry unc- and, and a lot of these people really get appreciated that sure appreciate that someone recognizes them kind of thing so
1: well you just told a story before we started about <laughs> recognizing you yeah. I'd love to hear that story again for our <laughs> well, listeners this
0: isn't that flattering I've been on CNBC for probably going on ten years and you know I probably do it. On a I don't know monthly or bi-monthly or a couple times uh, a quarter or whatever. But recently, I was in, on the beach in Florida, and someone came up to me and, and said, "Hey, aren't you the guy on TV, CNBC <laughs> And I was—it was like my first, uh, you know, rec- being recognized. And you know, I don't know if that's
2: that, that impressive. I don't yeah.
0: know how if I'm on the beach, he recognized me, and when I'm in a suit, they don't. So I'm not really <laughs>
2: sure what that says. But well, I could do I could do one better. I was at a national conference. Probably three years ago, Uh standing at the Hodges booth, welcoming Mm -hmm. advisors as they go by. Mm -hmm. And very well-known investor, Mario Gabelli, walked straight up to me, looked at me, and said, I saw you on CNBC the other day, and you were talking about small caps. I said, well, you saw my brother on CNBC. So we looked enough alike to him (laughs) that I was recognized by Mario Gabelli as Craig Hodges. (laughs) Better
1: than I did. (laughs) Well, you do look alike, obviously. That's all right. So what is it about the two of you that you would appreciate about each other? So, Clark, here's the question. What words, maybe two or three words, would you use to describe your brother now as you work with him?
2: A leader. Okay. Okay. You know, Dad had a process of finding good investments. Mm -hmm. And what Craig did, and and who knows when he decided to do this, but Craig decided, I'm going to learn what he does, and I'm going to emulate that, and I'm going to bring that to our firm. And so Craig is really responsible for himself and the other portfolio managers in our firm, how they find companies and look for stocks and determine whether they're good buys or not. Mm-hmm. And Craig sat next to dad for years and years and years and learned that ability. Okay. And then he demonstrated it probably starting in you know 1999 or so when he started co-managing one of the funds that he could do it himself as a standalone. Mm-hmm. And so you look today and you see what the other people on the investment team are doing. And they're really doing the things that Craig has shown them to do because Craig got it from dad.
1: You know that leads really to just a good solid leadership tip right that find those people that you admire in your industry that are leaders and learn from them that's really what you're saying and how wonderful that that happened and Craig's a leader
2: by example he's not Mm -hmm. a rah-rah kind of leader and um, you notice when he does decide to talk and say something Emphatic about you know we need to be doing this we need to be doing that Mm -hmm. you could hear a pin drop in the room and it's because he's shown in his actions that he'll do the work
1: that shows a high degree of respect you bet what would you say about your little brother
0: he's first of all he's got a great work ethic and he's incredibly effective at hunting down people i can remember at a very you know even in like 20 years ago, when he first started working with this, if 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 an idea crossed his mind, he would just go do it. Whether it was a, most people say it's a pie-in-the-style idea, but I remember. For example, I think you went and called when Bill Parcells became the Cowboy coach. You went to go call on him, just say, Hey, right. I'm 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 here. I'm doing business. Would you you know you just move a town? Most people wouldn't even approach that.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: and you know, Clark got in and got to talk to him, and or not him, but the group and that's that's a, just an example of of he's he's you know he he doesn't take no for an answer and uh he's very good at, at finding those prospects and going after them and uh, that's what you need mm-hmm. you know you, you need someone who can relay the process and relay the story in, a, in an effective way and clark's clark's great at that
1: is that great to have nice things said about you each bet. other you bet <laughs> i want to ask you about going up and being bold, that's kind of the word that came to my mind. I mean, this man had just come to town, you said, right, with the Cowboys. How how does someone who isn't that bold muster up their boldness to be more assertive?
2: Well, I think, you know, Dad did business with John Templeton, famed investor, John Mm -hmm. Templeton, through the 70s and the 80s. And I think what I got from that is those guys put their pants on the same way we all do. I also liked the aspect of being able to talk about it after the fact. Mm-hmm. Hey, I called on so-and-so, got kicked out, got no answer, but at least I did it. Mm-hmm. And I did it in a way where I really wanted it to kind of put hair on my chest, so to speak. I wanted it to make me grow. And out-of-the-box stuff is hard to do when you're out of your comfort zone. Oh, yes. and, But I always was a good cold caller. And then I started cold calling in person years ago. And I remember when you approach a door that's closed and you're going in and you're going to try to get business behind that door, you really just have to say to yourself, behind this door could be a new house, could be a Mercedes, you know, because you just don't know what could happen. And I'm still amazed that today, what one phone call or one meeting can turn into uh, down the road as far as leading to sales it's really amazing
1: you know that's really a good tip for so many of us i find that in coaching clients who are trying to get more executive presence and build their business that there is that hesitancy if it's someone that's a big name or has a big title or and so I like what you said about everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time, and really they're no different than us. And if they push you away, you just go to another door.
2: And you got
0: a good story to tell.
1: And you got a good story to
0: tell. And, and Clark said something else I think that's important. He talked about mm-hmm. your comfort zone, and I think I think that that's something Dad used to teach us. We all want to get to where we're comfortable in what we're doing on a daily basis, sure. but you don't grow when you're comfortable. And we try to every day do something that stretches us, something that we may or may not be ready for, but it makes you grow. And um, I think, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and stretching yourself is very, very important uh, for growth. And uh, I think, you know, we don't do it every day, but but I think if you go a week without stretching yourself, you've wasted a week.
1: (laughs) I like that, I like that. Well, then, in the business, when you have those issues or even outside of the business where you feel like you haven't done what you wanted to do, you've, you've maybe even made a mistake, you know, would, any, would either of you be willing to talk about a time when things didn't work out so well and how you recovered?
0: Sure, I can. Uh, I'm I'm good at mistakes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that.
0: I, I've have in 30 years of doing this, I, I couldn't count all the mistakes I've made. But I really believe that the mistakes are how you how you grow. You learn from your mistakes. I don't I don't ever learn that much from my successes. In fact, the successes almost set you up for a little bit of failure. They kind of pump you up, and maybe uh-huh. things can be somewhat unrealistic. But I you know I think it's almost a spiritual thing that when God closes a door, He's wanting you to go in a different direction. And I think that what, a lot of times what failure is, is God has another plan. Mm-hmm. And um, so, boy, I could go on and on. We don't, your show is not long enough for me to talk about my mistakes. But at the same time, that also, I believe, is an advantage for us because we've been through a lot. In 30 sure. years of, of investing, you're going to have a lot of mistakes you've made. Mm-hmm. But one thing I think we learn from our mistakes, and I, we try never to make the same mistakes twice. And so I think that's a I think for investors out there, that's comforting to know that these guys have been through the war and, and made the mistakes and they've gotten their nose bloodied, but they're, they're, they're still standing and, and still doing well, uh, if you will. So.
1: so today, Clark, what might be some of the biggest challenges uh, in the business? The,
2: the, the investment business, when you manage mutual funds, is really regulated. Mm-hmm. And from our standpoint, we're small. We're, we're not a household name. We're not a Merrill Lynch, but we have a really good story. So the challenge is to tell the story and leverage the sto- leverage the telling of the story as much as I can. So if I can get a big platform to listen or the big platform might recommend our fund, then I've they've done my job for me because all the thousands of advisors that use that platform would say, hey, they recommend Hodges.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm gonna buy Hodges. And I may have never had the chance to meet the thousands of advisors that use that platform. but So it's really constantly trying to find sales channels that will leverage your story the, the best.
1: Okay. What would you say is your biggest challenge as the CEO running the firm?
0: I think it's it's relaying our message. We have a different message. We're not doing what everyone else is doing. There are there are thousands and thousands of, of, of investment advisors out there that are telling you to buy the big companies, the ones that, you know, the very recognizable right. uh, names out there. And it doesn't take a whole lot of expertise, uh, you know, to recommend Exxon Mobil or, you know, sure. Starbucks or, you know, those kind of things. Those <laughs> are very one. established companies. But what we're trying to find the inefficiencies in the markets, the things that the average person doesn't see. We have we have a uh, six-person research group. We make about 3,000 company touches a year over about 950 companies. So we're getting information and looking in areas that a lot of people aren't. Mm-hmm. And so I think we, the ability to, to, to get people comfortable enough to say, hey, these aren't your household name companies always, mm-hmm. but, they are great companies with great management teams that have great balance sheets and great business opportunities. And if you buy them and hold on to them, you'll make you'll make good money.
1: Mm-hmm. So those times when you're as as both of you uh, running the firm, when you're disagreeing on something, how do you handle that? One of you wants to go north, the other one wants to go south. What do you do? You know. <clears throat>
2: When when Craig and I disagree, and it's been a while actually, it's been a long time since we've disagreed on anything. But one thing I've learned is that I may have a different opinion and I'll have the ability to tell him, hey, this is what I think. Mm -hmm. And Craig initially, when I'm telling him exactly that, that moment, he's probably in his head saying, no, 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 no. But I do know one thing, Craig will process what I said. He will sleep on it, so to speak. He will give it consideration, and then he'll make the decision. That, to me, is all anyone can ask for in running a business together. If you voice your differences of opinion, and that the other person genuinely consider it mm-hmm. and think about it and process it, a lot of what our investment style is is processing things and uh, observing things, and so. That's the one thing I know about Craig, is that when there is something that I disagree on, he will at least process it and think about it.
1: Well, and that, again, goes right to any any relationship where there's, let's say, um, someone in a company and they're trying to bring something to the boss. That doesn't always happen well. What would you say if, if someone at, in your firm came to you with an idea and they were just really adamant about it mm-hmm. yeah. how would you how would you work that through so that the respect stays and you, sure. you know that you're each hearing each other
0: first of all it depends on who's bringing it and if it's somebody who really knows what they're talking about mm-hmm. you really do need to consider and i, and I try to set up guys in each department that really know their area. Clark knows the marketing area and if he comes to me with a marketing idea I'm gonna listen. He knows, he's forgotten more. He's the more. expert. Yeah, he's forgotten more than I know about marketing. Mm-hmm. If it's something that's that's more controversial that I need to bring more input in and I don't feel like I'm knowledgeable enough, then I'll bring in other people in the firm and get their advice, operations or, Mm -hmm. you know, research or, you know, some of the, uh, maybe we have a board of directors at that as well and just get as much input and then, you know, make the best decision that you can. But, uh, you know, uh, going back to the mistakes again, hopefully you've you've learned something over the years of, of making mistakes and knowing when to when to stand up and say no, this is the way, or and, and also knowing when to say, you know what, that person knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Let's go with what they're saying. And so, it's you know, it's kind of a basic management tool. I would th-
2: I would say. Well, we
1: would we would hope that everyone lives by that management tool. You yep. bet. And you
2: appreciate employees that come to you mm-hmm. unannounced and say, yes. Hey, I have an idea. Sure. I mean, yeah, you want them to be invested. They're vested. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they want to help, and they're thinking about this. And that's a. That's a rarity, really.
1: Well, and especially with today, you hear so much about the engaged employee or the employees. The, the statistics that say how few people are really engaged yes. in their in their job.
0: Yeah, that's very true, and and you can tell when when somebody is engaged. And I think everyone wants to be engaged. Right. You know, I think you can get to a, a spot with employees that that they they're just punching the clock and you don't you know you don't want somebody in that type of a situation you want them to be passionate you want them to wake up and with some sort of you know looking forward to coming in and contributing and we try to make everyone seem like they're part of the team because in actuality they are i mean sure you know i'm at the top sometimes and i may look smart but let me tell you something there are guys in arm in my research that are a lot smarter than me, especially when it comes to financials and balance sheets and some of that sort of stuff. So it's great to surround yourself with really good people that, that love their job, that have a passion for what you're doing. And um, you, know, you kind of feel sorry for those that don't. Um, and you, you hope to help them and you hope to include them and make them feel part of the team, but um, the ones that don't probably aren't doing what they should be doing and they probably should you know, be working somewhere else.
1: And you have to handle those things too, don't
0: you? Absolutely. How
1: do you handle those things?
0: It's difficult. You know, um, my dad used to have a little bit of a philosophy that he didn't like firing people. And, I, you know, I learned that sometimes the best thing, like we talked about closing a door, the mm-hmm. best thing sometimes is for someone to find another uh, career or something else. God closes a door and there's, they could be happier doing something else. And so, you know, if it's obvious that this person is not made or cut out for this. I think you're doing them a favor by closing a door and saying, look, you're you can do something better than this and that's how to say it, yeah, isn't it? Yeah.
1: You know, that happened to me one time. I I will always remember it and I totally agree with you. I was given an opportunity to go to work for a very well known um speaking kind of a organization with a famous person. I won't say the name <laughs> And I really thought this was going to be the very best thing. I was um, having to sort of interview with someone that was in charge of that department. And this man actually hired me that day on a Friday. On a Monday, he called and he said, you know, I've been thinking about it. I just don't know that you're a good fit. And I was devastated. I, I, was, I was devastated because I just knew that that was the door that was my opening. Sure. Looking back, had I gone through that door, I would never have had my own business. Wow. So. That's cool. So thank you for that. Uh, tell me when you feel, and I'll start again with you, Craig, when do you feel personally the most fulfilled or the happiest? Wow.
0: I, I, honestly, the, I, when I'm the most fulfilled is I'm with my family. Sure. Yeah, that's okay. that's when I'm the most fulfilled. I've got twin daughters that are freshmen, just finished their freshman year in college, cause it's now sophomores, I guess, and then a 17-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is about just being around them, but I, I, it, life is good and it's vibrant. and. You know things are good when i'm in that such of course my wife too she's she's even worse than i am i think she thinks she's one of the girls you know when she's around them and and their friends but i think that's when i'm the happiest but i i also i i wake up every day super charged to go to work and to work with these you know the the nine other people in my investment team they they inspire me they you know their their work ethic and the things they do are very conscientious ways of doing things and it's it's a lot of fun it, it's it's, it, to me, it doesn't seem like work, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a blast, you know? It's really, it, I wake up every day charged up, yeah, so that's right, it, it, good point, a it's blessing. a blessing. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Yeah.
1: Well, and for those who haven't found that purposeful place, um, it's out there, it's out there, sure. right? What would you say are your happiest times?
2: As it relates to work easy, uh, I understand that when I go to a conference, or if we have a meeting where I'm hosting advisors in our um, office, at the end of that time, I'm on cloud nine. I have a, a natural high about myself and I'm real excited. And I'll fly home on the airplane and I've just I just feel great because I've had two or three days of human interaction. And I've come to learn that I believe that, you know, God's natural antidepressant is human interaction. Because say I challenge again, say that again. God's antidepressant is human interaction. I don't think you can be around people on a regular basis
1: mm-hmm.
2: and be up, be depressed. You know, and so conferences. When I fly home, that's when I'm at a high, a natural high. I really enjoy that.
1: Interesting, you say that. In that, I've had people say I get my energy by being alone. Really. Mm.
0: Mm.
1: not everyone is right right. sure Uh, or at least I've got to have my alone time which we all have sure sure that makes sense yeah here's something that I would love to hear both of you talk about for just a moment if you could have a dinner discussion with someone that you just really admire who would it be and what would you talk about? <laughs> Who wants to start on that one? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs>
0: mine is so corny, but and this just hit my head. But but mine would be Roger Staubach.
1: Really? Yeah, okay. I grew
0: up the biggest Roger Staubach. I had, the, by the way, I had the greatest father in the world, and I looked up to him. And to this day, I've never respected anybody more than my dad. But I grew up in it. I think a special time when your sports heroes were larger than life, and today they're not. I mean, today you see all the flaws, and you see a lot of them that that – you know, aren't the greatest role models. Role models. And I was mm-hmm. fortunate enough to, to grow up in Dallas, Texas, in the uh, late 60s and early 70s, when Tom Landry and Roger Staubach were two of the greatest examples of, of, a, of a, what a man is that you could you could ever imagine. Role model. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've met Roger on a couple – he doesn't know me from Adam. But to this day, I think, you know, one of the, one of the luckiest things, I think, was having that type of a role model. To, to you know, to try to be like. Not that I'm like that at all, but but that is a great example. And I just don't know that our kids today have that as much. You know, someone that they really mm-hmm. can emulate and look to and say that guy's does it right and and, and has it has it figured out, and uh, so I'm I'm blessed in that regard. I had a great father, and then a, a great a great role model. But I don't know what I'd ask him at dinner. That'd be that'd be the hard part. I'd probably I'd probably clam up and have a, have trouble even you know communicating with them. But
1: and he puts his pants on one leg at yeah, a time. Yeah, I'm sure just he like does. Do. Yep, yep. he might even start the conversation. Great. He had one of
0: the greatest quotes that that was, you know, he was very famous in the early '70s along with Joe Namath. Mm-hmm. And one time he was asked. Uh, you know, Joe Namath was this big playboy, and they asked Roger about wh- what's the difference between you and Joe Namath, and he said, you know, I like sex just as much as Joe Namath. I just happen to like it with one woman. <laughs> and, you know, I thought that is the absolute perfect answer, for, you know, is and, and uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that I, I respected about him, and... Uh,
2: um that's yeah. a good answer, is yeah. right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so tell us what you what you would talk about and with whom.
2: Golly, it's really a hard question for me because I don't put a lot of stock in in people like that Um anymore. What do you mean by that? Well, well-known people are human beings, and they've made mistakes. And I think sometimes you put these people on a pedestal. Oof. Now, I will say that I am kind of a self-help junkie. Are you? And... Uh, the only name that really comes to mind is Napoleon Hill all right the author of think and grow rich sure and dad talked about that book for years and years and years still a good book and to think that he lived in a time where he could you know it wasn't like today where you could readily find people Mm -hmm. and he had a goal and he wanted to work with this one person and he set in his mind it was gonna happen and he made it happen I, I just think that's amazing so the mind control and the mind power is interesting to me right and I think that would be someone I would like to ask questions about mm-hmm. or two
1: you know uh so talking a little bit about positivity and yes the mind what we put in our mind it's like a computer right it we, we're, we're putting things in our brain all the time, and what we put in there sticks. And if it's something we don't want in there, we've got to hit delete really quickly, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Last month, I write a monthly newsletter called Valerie's Voice, and it's very quick and to the point. And last month's was on positivity. I got so many immediate, immediate – now, people will respond, but I mean that day – emails saying oh that was so good or oh i so believe that or oh i so needed that today which is i think true we all need some encouragement we all need some boost in the arm about gosh i just you know things aren't going great right now but yeah put it in your mind that it'll be another day tomorrow the sun will rise it'll go down
0: I've heard the the quote I can't remember who is it, but genius is believing your own thoughts. Oh, and I think the I like, like, like you said the brain is a is the most powerful computer there could possibly ever be. Yeah. And I'm sure we've all been in a situation where the brain tells us, you know, you ought to do this and then it's immediately followed by a skeptic of no, that that's a waste of your time. That's so true. It? And you almost yeah. discount it immediately, but I always believed that you go with that first thought. It it's telling you something for a reason, mm-hmm. and you ought to listen to that very first instinct. And don't be the skeptic that comes by. Oh, All that will that'll never work because I think I think that the brain is telling you something, and you ought, we ought to listen to it and believe our own thoughts, if you will.
1: I like that a lot. I'm a really visual person, and as you were talking, I was thinking almost of uh, two little. Characters, right? The devil and And, the angel, right. Well, yeah, or whatever you (laughs) want to call it, but knocking off the one that's the second thought or the analytical or that won't work, why? And what about, you know? So that's really good. One of the things I ask each of you to do was to leave us with some what I call teachable points of view. And what I mean by that is things you've learned from your experiences, that if you could teach, if you could share with other people so that they get rich experience from someone that's been there, done it, doing it right, if you will, um, pay attention to. So who wants to start on that? (laughs)
2: I'll go first. Um, You know, stick your neck out with something Dad would say and take a chance, have a little uh, gumption about yourself to take a risk. And risk is not a bad term. A lot of people today think it is.
1: It's hard sometimes. Yeah, and stick
2: your neck, neck out. And the other part, the other thing I would say is that um, you will, if you try to interact with people and develop real relationships, not fluffy, just doing it because I might get a sale, mm-hmm. your life will be so enriched by that and then other doors will open for you that you probably would be amazed at. So I think that's one thing that our father did very, very well. He was the kind of guy that had a lot of relationships. He put a lot of stock in people. He had a lot of faith in people, and he believed that no matter what—and I can give you example after example of him saying, you know, people we knew growing up, well, so-and-so is, is a good person. They just have one issue in this particular area of their life. And he was able to see through that.
1: Positivity. And we all
2: need somebody to see us that way because we all stumble and, and fall short, as, as the good book says. So, you know, I would say go through life, take a chance, stick your neck out, and you'll be glad you did.
1: Those are great. Thank you for that. What would you say?
2: Well, the first lesson I
0: always tell people, the thing that that I've learned, and this is a financial thing that I've learned, is leverage and debt are killers Ooh. and always be careful about how much more money you borrow uh, you know if you're fully borrowing as much as you can it's not a question of of if you'll go broke, it's just a question of when you'll go broke. And you know, I've I've learned lessons over the years of being too leveraged, borrowing too much money, to buy stocks, or whatever it be. Um, And it's not just stocks, it's everything. It's real estate. People buy too much house, or they buy too much car, or they put too much on credit cards. That is a real disastrous way to to go about things. So always live within your means and never borrow too much money.
1: Can I ask you something on that? So many people that I know of uh, are – they have all of these credit cards, Mm -hmm. like bunches of them. And I asked one of them, why are you using so many credit cards? And their answer was, we're building like miles to go places. And so this card says if you pick it up – you know this story, right, Clark? You pick this card up and you get an extra immediate whatever – so what do you think about thing? And then, they, and then I guess they cancel it. I don't know what they do. Yeah. But I mean, stacks of credit cards. Yeah. What, I, what would you say? I,
0: if you're doing something like that, you better be paying, it off, paying them off every month. Ah. A lot of people are suckered in by the minimum payment. Okay. And if you're paying the minimum payment, your debt is getting bigger and bigger each month.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
0: see the commercial on TV. It's a really good commercial. They talk. These people walk out of a restaurant, and they had a $100 dinner. And they say on the way out, well, that was, that's gonna be a $500 dinner by the time we pay off the credit card. And that's really what it is. It's, it's, it's a much more expensive endeavor to mm-hmm. live on credit cards. So just don't, you know, if, if, you, if there's no other alternative, I guess you don't have a, a, any other way of doing it, you know, but th- your goal needs to be to get out of debt as soon as possible. I've seen it over and over. You cannot go broke if you don't owe anybody money. Good point. You cannot go broke, Mm -hmm. and so use your leverage and use your borrowing money to a minimum. That's the first thing I'd say.
1: Good. What else?
0: um, You know the. uh, um, I think find something you want to be an expert in. Mm.
1: Um,
0: I, I heard one time that you you can become an expert in something. By studying it for ten thousand hours, which I guess is what six years or something like that. Well, think about that. You you can become an expert in something in six years. That's not That's that pretty much. good, you know. And pick pick what you want to become an expert. But I think if you're young and you're wanting to get into a career, figure out what you want and become an expert. Spend your time. You know, they say, you know, how does an art critic become an art critic? He looks at art. He looks at a lot of art. So that's see. how you become that, right? And say, whatever your endeavor would be, become an expert. I think that'd be the second thing. And then the third thing is that, what well, we talked about, get out of your comfort zone. Stretch yourself. Um, that is a, that's something I don't always do but it's something I'm trying to be more and more aware of that that's how you grow, even at, even at age, I'll be 55 here in about, about about a month and a half, but I continue to wanna grow and I continue to wanna stretch myself. I believe we're in the second inning of our business and the, the, best, the best times are ahead of us, so.
1: I love those teachable points of view. And every session I tell the audience, which I will today, that if they want a copy of their teachable points of view that they can have it because it comes from wisdom. And we need to listen to people who have been there, done it and doing it right. So I think that's great. What a great opportunity to have with you two. I really appreciate the fact that you um, were just so candid, you know, about your business for one thing and yourselves for the other and uh, we've learned a lot about what it's like to run a family business. I'm sure there are listeners out there that, that are in that space and entrepreneurs and just leadership, period. So I want to thank you so much. You brought, and I ask you to, uh, your dad's book on quotes. I have that book. Thank you so much for giving it to me. And um, so let me hold it up. And it's, um, it's called Horse Sense, Smart Street Smarts so it's i love the quotes they're just don't we all like quotes just quote 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 look how many we said today full of quotes right so tell us how this came about i mean how did he have time to write a book on quotes
2: well what i remember growing up is we would be in the house and you know a lot of visual in my mind is dad reading dad reading on the couch or reading in bed and he he claimed that if he read something that he thought was true He saved it. So this is probably 45 years of reading something saying, well, that's true. It doesn't have to be funny. It doesn't have to be catchy. He just said it's true. So he'd save it. he would occasionally call us into the room, hey, I want to read you all something. Of course, we were kids. We probably didn't want to hear it, right? (laughs) But he literally saved all those clippings. Hmm. And then when we were having a kind of surprise celebration for dad on being in the business for 50 years, we grabbed that file and digitized it and made kind of a paperback version of all these quotes. Mm-hmm. And he liked it so much, he said, I'm going to make it a real book. And so he he got some help, had an artist do the rendering and you know he's from west texas so the whole theme of horse sense street smarts makes a lot of sense and uh there'll be names in here that you don't know who in the world they are because they might be people from the pan of texas they might be people that he worked with when he worked in new york you know but you also will see a lot of the well-known, you know, Ronald Reagan, hmm. Warren Buffett, those kinds of things because it was in his industry.
1: Isn't that great? So it's great.
0: It's a great read. And you can read a little bit at a time. That's what's great. You can read four or five quotes in, at a time and really get something out of it.
1: See, that? I think we all can va- have value in, in quote books. And yeah. and now that you know the background of, of this man's quote books, it makes it even richer. So I'm going to suggest to the audience that um, – If they want a copy of the book, that they email me, valerie at valerieandcompany.com, or send a message to me on LinkedIn, and I'll get that information to you, and then you can take it from there. Will that work? Okay. Great. And I'll also mention that you can get my book, Do It Right?, That's where this came from, doing it right, and it's on Amazon.com. So until next time, I hope that you'll join us for more candid conversations with other leaders who will share their teachable points of view. Be sure that you link to us and like our pages and all of that. And in the meantime, just stay authentic as you continue to build your executive presence and personal brand.